Welcome to the PQI Podcast. This week, we sit down with Alex Shantiai and Encoda's Cooper Bailey to discuss industry careers for pharmacists and Encoda's professional student organization. Alex is a PharmD graduate of Palm Beach Atlantic University that currently works as an oncology health and science representative for a pharmaceutical company. Alex continues engagement, communication, and philanthropy for the benefit of pharmacists, technicians, and students. All right, well, thank you so much, Alex and Cooper, for joining us on the PQI podcast today. Really excited about this episode, as I do have my teammate Cooper here as a co-host, and we're going to hear a little more about him as well. But to start out, Alex, will you please introduce yourself and tell us about your background and your current role? Absolutely, I'd love to. So hello, everyone. My name is Alex Shantiai. I'm a recent PharmD graduate for the 2023 year from Palm Beach Atlantic University. And I'm kind of a unique story in terms of, you know, where I took my leadership and then where I took my career goal. Currently, I am working in the pharmaceutical industry. We call it a sort of entry-level position, but I am working inside sales for a specific therapeutic area within oncology. So love to be able to get in that role, but just a basic background of where I am. Wonderful. And Alex, where are you living now? Just out of curiosity. So not to make people too jealous, you know, I'm born and raised in Miami, so I'm always yeah. used to sunshine, uh, but I'm actually currently in Tampa, Florida. Oh, very nice. Still very warm and sunny, so. Yes. You're welcome. Come by. Yes. So I'm in Jacksonville, um, but grew, grew up very close to Tampa and we'll be there tomorrow, actually. But I know um, it's rather I think it's unseasonably warm right now. So at least here, I'm assuming there, too. I would say it's comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, Cooper, you are in Coda famous and well known to the, all of our world, especially our students. And I know you've co-hosted on the podcast before, but will you please introduce yourself as well? Of course. Yeah, it's great to be back on the PQI podcast. Always such engaging and fun conversations here. But uh, for a general introduction, my name is Cooper Bailey. I'm, as Ginger said, one of the pharmacists here on the ENCODA team. I primarily oversee three initiatives here at ENCODA, which is our professional student organization, our oncology career symposium and then our medically integrated oncology pharmacy residency program. Uh, and it's fun, We on the last episode when I co-hosted, we got into to the residency program a bit and, and kind of focused on that. And it looks like we're gonna be focusing on a few of the other initiatives. So looking forward to, to being here. Yes, thank you, Cooper. And thank you for coming back and all, all great and exciting programs. So ready to hear about some of the others. And Alex, you have a non-traditional pharmacist role. So will you give us a bit of an overview of your journey to where you are today? Sure. So the journey was pretty clustered. At the same time, it was pretty clear. You know, I came in with the mindset that I want to be a pharmacist, that I want to help people within healthcare. What I will be very transparent with is when I started out in school, I genuinely thought pharmacy was just CVS, Walgreens. I actually had no idea about hospital, let alone about industry. And then learning, of course, there's a non-traditional path, going into consulting, going into managed care, going as an association management. There's so many opportunities. So I started out, just kept my mind open. 
I started out of school. I said, I'm going to hit the books running, but I'm going to get involved. So I jumped into some of our national organizations like APHA, um, our Kappa Psi Pharmaceutical Fraternity. But anytime little events came up across the board, whether it was IPHO or AMCP, I jumped on it just to kind of get involved. So kept a very robust, you know, dynamic of what is available in pharmacy and just kept learning along the way. But the most important part was I just did it with a group of friends. You know, we learned along the way and we learned, you know, what works for us and what doesn't. So it was a really, really fun journey. I would say to be a little bit more specific so we don't go through the whole four years, I wanted to go into industry. That was kind of my goal after my second or third year when I started learning about things like medical affairs and global medical information. However, rather than just solely focusing on one sort of interest point, I still wanted to go to, to those health fairs. I still wanted to go and be an advocate and go to our legislative days. So what I said to myself was, if I can be on the leader on the outside, I can be a leader within later on when I do intend to apply for industry roles. So I kind of stuck to my guns and I started getting involved locally with our pharmacy associations. And then we got involved with the state associations. For Florida, we have an ASHP version, an APHA version. We ended up doing a lot of advocacy, um, a lot of patient resources. Each year we did mayor proclamations, just a lot of things to, to get our face and our, our pharmacy idea on the community. But then as things started progressing through the years, when there was opportunities, I applied for every scholarship or position I could. And when I couldn't get it, I tried again. So I got things like the ASHP Council, which is one of our five councils on ASHP nationally. I got involved with Phi Lambda Sigma and national councils there and just all over the place. Uh, but really the goal was how can we bring pharmacy both for the students, communities, and the professionals together. Yes, I love that you are bringing everyone together. And I also love that you said you did it, you did everything with friends. So I think the pharma, the pharmacy community is quite an amazing thing. And you find out even years later, it's a very, it's a very small world, um, even pe people all the way across the country. So and then I know you were involved in PSO as part as part of all of this. And Cooper, will you talk to us a little more about Encoda's PSO? So maybe explaining exactly what it is. I know people hear of it quite often and see it quite often, but some of the opportunities that students have, um, and some like some of the things that Alex had opportunities to do through PSO. Absolutely. So Encoda's PSO stands for. Uh, professional student organization here. It's really kind of a, a, a ENCODA subsection where we focus on young professionals with an interest in oncology. And as we know, the oncology world is, is developing and evolving, but at the end of the day, there's going to be more cancer patients tomorrow than there is today. And the projections of 2040 say there's going to be a 50% increase in cancer uh, patient around the world, which is pretty staggering. And so we focus in on young professionals and help develop their confidence. We help develop their education and their knowledge and their abilities within the cancer care continuity. And, and we focus in and, and work on developing the future leaders in oncology. 
Uh, we host a number of different opportunities and events. Some of those are educational webinars. We have a publication, our student chapters, and then we'll get into our Oncology Career Symposium, which is really the focus of uh, international meeting that we bring all these things together and highlight it. But that's really what we do in a, in a general sense. But again, we have a very simple goal, right? Our goal is to inspire the future generation of oncology leaders. Um, and, and we do that through young professionals like Alex. You're good. Yeah, Alex, we'll, we'll get into you. I would love to hear a little bit more on your take, your opportunities you had. Maybe talk about your, your time attending ENCODA Oncology Career Symposium meetings and your involvement there. Yeah, absolutely. So ENCODA has been such a breath of fresh air. When I came to an APHA annual conference and I saw the booth and I saw you there, I was like, I have never heard of ENCODA. Second question was, why haven't I heard of ENCODA? Now, fortunately, you guys have been growing rapidly. Um, a lot of institutions are starting to open up new chapters, which is, I think, is fantastic. Because like we go through classes in pharmacy school with oncology, it's really breathtaking. It is a lot to cover, and you're not going to get it in just one semester alone. And it's evolving, you know, every single year. But I think what really touched me was, you know, have a small personal story, but there are other stories where I just learned with oncology, of just how important it was as a patient-centered advocacy. You know, some of these, I had the fortunate opportunity to take two rotations in oncology specifically with our cancer institutes and just being able to talk with patients, talk with caregivers and just see both the struggles and the, and the hopes. It just really it took me to a new personal level where I said, this is somewhere where I want to make sure we're making strides in. And with ENCODA, there's a lot of great conferences. I would love to talk about the Oncology Symposium. But the first thing I attended was actually one of the ENCODA Institute meetings in Indianapolis. You know, typically there weren't a lot of students there, but there were a lot of amazing oncology groups and there were GPOs. And I was like, what does all of this mean? And there was a really great conversations about how do we bring clinical trials to people in rural areas? How do we bring, you know, costs down both for the patients and also for the healthcare providers to give the education they need? And I think ENCODA has been able to bridge that gap, especially with all the, you know, seminars that I actually jump on, which I highly recommend if you don't follow them on LinkedIn. But I think for students, it's really impactful if you can join the oncology symposium. I think there's scholarships available, and I have to give a quick shout out to Brandon Dyson, who helped us out um, attending one of my meetings. But being there with just so many passionate students, it really made me think, wow, ENCODA can be a, not just a new journey, but a new home. And actually, I love to hear about what your thoughts are with the medically integrated pharmacy residency program, because that was something I actually applied to and interviewed for, and I thought, wow, this is a new amazing role that we can take on as pharmacists. Yeah, it's well, it's funny. You brought up two components of our residence program, which we we actually discussed on a recent podcast. But Brandon Dyson, who you mentioned, is actually our residency program coordinator over at Texas Oncology. But yeah, just the goal here is just trying to find unique ways to develop and educate young professionals to enter the, the cancer care world and make a positive impact. Um, and that that's really how our goal and how we set things up. Well, and I love it that you even came to, and I remember, I remember you being there, Alex, um, the 
Oncology Institute and, and bringing that up. I think that's a fantastic meeting, but definite, definitely involvement as a student. Um, I think you went above and beyond for sure. And so I know you kind of reference many of the different areas that um, pharmacy students can go into, pharmacists can go into, but I've started to see, and I don't know if you two have seen it as well lately on, on different forums, a lot of articles and posts coming out on the decline of pharmacy school applicants right now. Um, in various reasons, you know, I've been given in all of these posts for the decline, but I know many are still unaware of all of the pharmacy-based careers other than retail, like you talked about, your, your Walgreens or CVS, Alex. Mm -hmm. So what do potential opportunities for students look like in industry? Because I know even industry, I feel like there are, you know, a hundred different avenues that a student could take. Exactly. You know, I would actually tell you there's probably a hundred industry titles I can give you. And pharmacists can actually find themselves in any of these roles. I would still like to touch on just the retail and hospital later, but to kind of break it down for the industry, I think a lot of students, when they're starting to get involved in school, they hear about the general role of medical affairs and medical science liaison. I think that's the most flashy. But within each functional area, there can be about 10 to 15 professional roles. And, you know, there's the national level, but also the global and level. So a global medical information can be different than, let's say, medical information for a particular region within the United States. What I would recommend is get involved where you can and watch webinars just to understand the different roles because they're very different. For me personally, I'm in commercial. So we're looking at you know driving market revenue. We're looking at growth for a company, whether that's for a particular drug or for a whole portfolio. And we want to provide resources to, it could be hospitals, patients, or healthcare practitioners. But going on from that, I think the, the best starting point to break in to make that attempt is through the fellowship route. So fellowship route, much like the residency route, requires that you position yourself within your fourth year to sound out applications through what I would call very structured programs. Your looking for a functional area or therapeutic area that aligns with you and you're applying to these large industry companies that typically partner with a certain school. So we hear something like Rutgers and MCPHS, which have a large portion, but there are many schools that can go down the list that actually have partnerships. So what you do is you apply to them, you try to get through interviews, it could be one to three interviews, and you try to, in a way, I would say sell yourself. Here's what I can offer to the team because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to integrate with the company and the team to transcend a, a new uh, region within industry and the pharmaceutical medication they have. Now, it could be a little difficult going through the fellowship route, which is why I wanted to hone in on some other avenues that are available. So let's say you don't get that within the September through December typical structure route. You can still break in through industries either immediately or years after. So you're you're more than welcome to go for that PGY1. You're more than welcome to apply for retail and then apply again directly for positions. But you can also go for what we call contract positions, which typically will last six to eight months. And if you apply for a contract position, you're more likely to be hired within house of the pharmaceutical industry. What I typically did was I looked for entry-level roles and while I am in sales, 
if you look on certain websites, there are different titles that can take you to the same avenues that a fellowship route would take you. So you can be a medical affairs associate, you can be a pharmacovigilance specialist, you can be a regulatory affairs specialist. Um, it might just be at a lower level, but with the PharmD degree and that doctorate, you can really take it with that experience to the next manager or director level. Now, that is not in itself easy. You know, I ended up sending about 200 applications. They weren't necessarily to 200 different places, but they were maybe to 20, 30 large companies. And I applied to multiple states. You had to have that kind of perspective. If you really want to break industry, if you want it, you got to go for it. So I was willing to go anywhere from Washington to New Hampshire and all the way in between. And it takes time, you know, you're not going to get it on your first route. What I would say is there's certain things to work on, such as the star or soar method in your interviewing practice, because interviews are very short and you want to be direct and you want to be clear. But at the end of the day, it's time, it's effort, it's you have the diligence to say, I'm not going to give up. Now, we talked about contract roles, applying directly like a cold call. You can also look for internships, you know. While there were some internships that students were doing their second or third year in the summers, you could still go for an internship as a PharmD graduate, work there a couple of months, and I see a lot of people advancing afterwards with that. Yeah, I, those are all fantastic points, Alex. I, I really appreciate you bringing up all the different facets, and I, I know your journey uh, quite well, but talk a little bit about how young professionals can set themselves up for these opportunities in the future. Maybe focus in on, on, on fellowship and start with in your first one to three years, what would you say are the biggest things that you should be focusing on if you're looking to go into an industry career? What I would say is you're not going to know exactly where your passion lies as a student. So you don't have to say, hey, I definitely want to be a medical affairs associate with diabetes. Like no one's going to know that for sure. I had a friend who loved respiratory and they ended up going to cardiovascular. So things kind of change, especially in your rotation years where you start to get different experiences. Again, I would suggest setting yourself up as a leader. You want to make sure you're involved in all these things, when, when people are looking for a new industry associate, they're looking for things like communication, organization, that you have passion, that you have teamwork, that you're, you know, fun on the inside with the team and also on the outside, that you have, you know, more to offer. I mean, life, again, we're, we're here for the patients. You got to think about the whole dynamic of what's the world look like. You, it's a, I'm, I'll, I will break in a little bit. Now, if you want to say you go into industry, I have to ask you, what are your expectations? Because I, it is important to be transparent. It is very competitive. So I would say in your years two, year three is, do you have a vision? If there are many unique roles, you know, from marketing to medical affairs, the big choice might just be the company first. But I'll tell you, if you follow people on LinkedIn and industry, not only have they changed different positions. They've changed different companies. So don't think you're ever going to be landlocked in. But I think you have to start with what are the requirements of pharmacy school? So you have to make sure you put your academics first. Of course, we're here for patients and a lot of it is heavily involved with the clinical. So you have to do your 
hospital rotations and learn from that. Because when you're talking to healthcare practitioners in industry, what gives our PharmD the strength is we have that perspective that's tailored, that's not seen in other areas. And I, I love you focusing in on uh, the patient care aspect centered around uh, everything, right? And that's something that we focus in here at ENCODA, obviously. If you talk about who ENCODA is, you know that we're a patient-centered organization, right? We put patients first and what we do and, and how we do it. So I want to hear from you, though. How do you feel your current role is impacting patients on a, on a patient-centered level? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd like to just get a little bit more into my role because I mentioned sales and it was entry level. And I want to give perspective of three types of inside sales that I've seen. So with my position inside sales, I'm largely buy and build. So I'm actually coordinating with hospitals and clinics, and I'm trying to reach pharmacy purchasers, directors, managers, and making them understand the value of, let's say, contracts that they have with their portfolio so they can have both the accessibility but also the information and knowledge and resources they need for their inpatient for their outpatient for their clinics for their healthcare practitioners their nursing teams as well as to provide for their patients mine is kind of a specialty case you don't typically start out with buy and bill but the other avenue, which is very common, uh, which is a lot of times in a hybrid format, is inside sales where you're reaching out to healthcare practitioners or you know small teams, giving them knowledge on a specific drug. And it can be a wide variety of therapeutic areas, but you're reaching out to give them resources to set up what we call a VCCI, um, try to get a virtual meeting. It could be providing a lunch so you can give them inpatient education. You might be providing them samples. And likewise, there's roles for sales all across the United States for most of the companies where it's actually both hybrid, but you're also going in person. So there's a virtual format and then there's the same sales format where you're just going to healthcare practitioner sites and trying to meet with them. And you got to break through barriers where you go through receptionists and other you know, levels in order to reach the accounts that you need. But essentially, that's where you start with sales. So when people talk about medical science liaison, which is kind of the, the higher tier above, you want to start out in roles that are involved with sales and it's commercial, and you might lend into different areas where you specialize. So you become a field specialist, you travel within an area, could be a region, and then you move on to the ability to cover states. But really, it's it's the same idea where we're just giving information, we're giving patient access, we're giving what we can as within our compliantly, you know, limited roles to serve other healthcare practitioners what their needs are for our portfolio, and it could be different industries. So I won't be biased one way or the other, but that's the general idea. Well, thank you for that, Alex. I know from it's it's been a while now from being in practice, but I know in a community oncology clinic that saw everything, our MSLs and reps um, provided a great deal actually of education for our staff. Um, you know, you're trying to keep up with everything instead of specializing in just one thing. And I don't know that we could have done it without um you all who know your you know your drugs inside and out for sure. So always appreciate what you are doing for all of our members and clinics. 
And then we call this the PQI podcast to bring awareness to ENCODA's positive quality intervention or PQI resource. So Alex, what value do you see in our PQIs? I got to say, well, there are multiple drugs that I've used it for, where just it's so simplified. The summary is beautiful. But the idea is that you can take these resources. It's not just for the HCPs, right? It's for the patients as well. So a lot of times what we were talking about oncology is this is complicated stuff. These words are very big. The PQIs break it down to something where it's so digestible that for whether it's your, your pharmacy technician or your nurses, all the way up to you know some of your experts who are learning about new drugs that are coming out every single year, it makes it so that it can bring everything together and centered. And listen, I've seen them sometimes just two pages, and I would have read a clinical study that was 20 pages long. I was like, why didn't I start with the PQI? Because you guys are working hard to bring something not only for, you know, it's national, but I've seen people use it internationally as well, which is really impressive. Love it. Love it. Thank, thank you for that. And then we'll move on to one final fun question. I'm going to have both you and Cooper answer. And now I can't remember Cooper on the last podcast if this was the same one. I think it wasn't. But before that, is there anything that either of you would like to add before we wrap it up? Yeah, I just like to say that if there is anyone listening, all of the listeners in professionals, young professionals, seasoned professionals, uh, if if you if you need someone to talk to or you want to follow up on the conversation had on this podcast, Alex is a great resource. Um, not only is he is he edu educated on this and well versed, but also just a a great uh, young professional, um, kind and and always willing to help people. So, if, if interested, I'm I'm sure Alex would would be happy to share his his email. And obviously, I encourage you all to reach out to him. If, if you ever are trying to find Alex, just go to a meeting, look for the, the best dressed guy in the room, and that, that will be Alex. Yeah, I guess I'll top it off. You know, I do want to just get across, you're not going to find your passion in application. So like I was alluding to earlier on, start somewhere, somewhere manageable, uh, something that's inclusive, then branch out later. You can find that you'll, you'll maybe have a passion industry, maybe it's not, but make sure you know, you're doing something that motivates you. That's one of the most important things. The other thing I, I, I don't always get into the weeds of, and I always try to get into this when I do one-on-ones is, I, I said it before, it's not easy, but trust me, I likely have gone through more rejections than most students and applied and tried for more things in general. And some things will work in your favor and some won't, you know? Uh, what I would say from my journey is, I stuck to my guns, even though I had opportunities come before me. So just to give that quick overview of my fourth year, I went through the fellowship cycle. I had multiple interviews, secondary interviews, and I didn't get it. And it was a long process where maybe week after week, I might get one or two rejections. But when it came to the end of it in December, I said, enough being, you know, lay back, let's be proactive. I saw one fellowship pop up. I reached out, I said, let me look at every single person on my LinkedIn who might work at this company. So I sent 12 messages and those 12 messages maybe got six responses. So I took those, made calls. One person said, talk to this person, that person. Ultimately that route didn't work out and you gotta stay humble. I was so happy to see all my friends get accepted. And I think that's what really truly motivated me. 
to make sure that I stayed positive. And I decided, what am I going to do after? You're going to find those questions of, what am I going to do? What you do in your last year is not going to set you up for the next 40 years of life. You are in control of your own destiny. And you can drive where you want to be. You just have to be in that seat. So you can't let people with dissimilar goals stray you away. Now, when that ended up not working out in my favor, I started looking at their still residency. I had an ASHP application set up for four sites. And I told myself it was December 28th when you should be submitting it. I actually decided I'm not going to submit it. So I didn't go for the ASHP route. And I got a call from someone at APHA about their executive residency program. I applied for that one, loved it, love APHA. They offered me a position, but ultimately I couldn't see myself in DC. So I looked at not only positions, but where do I see my life and where can I find the most, where I will be most engaged. I had opportunities where I applied for those, the medical you know, integrated pharmacy program at Coda, loved it, loved the team, loved the interview, didn't work in my favor, which is perfectly fine. I kept applying to different things. And when that didn't show up, I said, let's see, I can start working out in retail. I can go to Publix and start there. I can work directly in a hospital where I had some non-traditional offers. But in the whole grand scheme of things, I just put the time and effort to apply broadly until I landed an industry rotation, an industry position. So after 200 applications, let me tell you the time I got it. It was my commencement day at 1 p.m. I got a call from my now manager. She is so superb. But she called me on my commencement day, and that's when I had my offer. So don't let the, the bleakest moments turn you away. Stick with what you want to do. But just know there's a lot of great value in all the positions, whether it's retail, hospital. Again, there's consulting. And retail is not just retail. There's specialty pharmacy. There's a lot of these fellowships that have the community pharmacies now as well. So just make sure you love what you do first and foremost. I think that is fantastic advice for everyone, Alex. And I know definitely where I thought I would end up almost 20 years ago is not, not where I am today. And it's been a great, a great thing, but I think everyone um, could take what you have to say about persistence and could also very much take note of your positive attitude. I think that definitely, you know, is going to bring you success no matter where you go. And I so appreciate um, your willingness to share with us. And then we will move on to our final fun question. We're recycling this from another season, but I, I love food and I love um, chatting with people. So one, one of the favorites, but We'll start with Alex. If you could have dinner with anyone living or in history, who would it be? And then what would be on your dinner menu? And then from what I gathered, you would have on a nice suit at this dinner as well. But we'll uh... definitely you got to bring the flair. I would say the suits, you know, the clothes I wear. I, I shop at Marshall's, Ross and Macy's. Ah! They have a one day sale. Listen, you can make it work. Come out looking strong. Uh, definitely for my friends out there. You're wearing ties, you got to learn how to wear a tie, do it right. So that's my biggest thing, especially wearing go conferences. Um, well, the thing is, I was thinking a lot of great people that made advancements. I was thinking currently, I would always love to sit down with my mom and dad because they're living kind of far away. So to keep up with them is great. 
but I was going to touch on just a little bit of faith. And I would say if, you know, whether in this life or the next, and I would love to sit down with Jesus Christ and <laughs> uh, share bread. And, and obviously there's nothing that I can say that has more love in my heart than knowing, you know, that Jesus is the Christ and that God's word is eternal. And that's actually something that's carried me through in pharmacy school. It's been my support systems, my friends, my family, and just my solid faith as a rock. And I think that's what keeps me so positive. So I know it's a little cliche, but I think I had to go there. Otherwise, I do love history quite a bit. <laughs> and I I would love to be at that dinner with you. And now, now we know the secret to your always um, optimistic and positive personality. But what would be on your menu? So would it just be bread or? Well, if I'm bringing the cooking, I'm a pretty good cook. I actually, people follow me on Instagram where I'm posting a lot of recipes but I love Persian recipes. They tell me my kebabs are some of the best. So you get a whole slew of kebabs, lamb, beef, chicken. I'm going to bring out the rice, the vegetables, and all the sides, everything from grape leaves to baba ganoush. So <laughs> we'll have it all. You're And you're all welcome to come. That sounds quite amazing. I, I have a feeling all of that. There will definitely be kebabs in heaven, Alex. So sounds amazing. And then Cooper, how about you? Oh yeah, that well, I I love just thinking about Alex's dinner is making me hungry. <laughs> uh, I know. <laughs> I think yeah. When when we're in Florida next, Alex, I'm hoping you bring out the the whole smorgasbord of of your of your dinners. But oh. I would say I I love. I it's tough. It's a tough question, but I think overall, I just think back to some of the, I love old uh, history and uh, specifically authors, but if I could sit down with F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald uh, and, and have a dinner with them, I think it would just be so entertaining. I couldn't think of a more entertaining couple um, yeah. and all the stories, maybe before Zelda went totally insane, but you know, kind of when she was a little bit insane for that entertainment factor. Um, what's on the, the dinner menu? Well, my favorite genre of food is korean food i don't know if f scott and zelda would would if they ever tried korean food they were pretty adventurous but i'm sure they would enjoy it but um maybe some some sundabu or some type of korean noodle soup would be on the, the dinner menu make things a little messy it gets everywhere stains all your clothes so uh yeah that's what i would do that one sounds amazing as well. So two two great choices. And I think if Alex comes to yours, he'll have to bring bring a bib or like the the crab shucking bib um, to go over his nice suit. So it sounds delicious. But thank you both. Thank you so much, Alex, for taking time out of your schedule and joining us today and for continuing to encourage students. Um, and, you know, just we're working for patients day in and day out. And then thank you, Cooper, as well, for joining us again as co-host and for all that you are doing for our students. We appreciate you. Of thank course, you. it was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you both so much. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the PQI podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Alex. You can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and on encoda.org. That's encoda.org. You can also find us on Instagram at the PQI podcast. Tune in next week for operational updates from Central Ohio Urology Group.